My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. Never was a frequent podcaster. <laughs> oh boy. Lo and behold, it's a new year and it's only been three months since my last show. Confession show. Ha. Anyway, I don't know, you guys. I don't know. I don't know. I know that I've missed you and I've missed part of doing this, uh, but just part. Just part. Look, life doesn't stop, and uh, that's pretty much all the explanation I can give at this point. In truth, I think I need to make some changes, some big ones, not just for the show, but for life, and hopefully this show will reflect those changes. So we'll see. We'll see if I have the courage. Make no promises this time around. Man, I, I, I corner the market in hope deferred. If what I want to happen happens... Uh, You'll know as much as I do. There you go. And uh, no, uh, I'm not talking about tours. So uh, sorry, guys. That's out of my hands. Okay. Uh, to my buddies in MXPX, thank you. Thank you for doing this show with me. Thank you for spending so much time with me. And I'm sorry that it took so long for it to come out. But you know what? You had a pretty good year. And I think you'll be just fine. What a year. A quarter of a century of rock and roll, a beer, new music, bunch of shows. I say you did pretty good. Um, one weird benefit to taking so long to do this show is that uh, the guys had a new album come out. <laughs> Left Coast Live is available for anyone who may have missed some of those shows that you've probably seen all over Instagram. And even if you didn't miss them, uh, pick it up. Some good stuff on there. Sounds awesome. Uh, one drawback, some of our conversations don't exactly age well. <laughs> oh, God. Tom, we may need to talk about the Raiders again. Oh, oof. Such optimism, such hope. We'll see. We'll see what the new coach... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see what he has to do with it. Anyway, listen... Uh, a side note, Stavesacre has battled and battled and can finally say that actual physical copies of the new Stavesacre album MCMXCV, a.k.a. 1995, are in production and being made as things that exist in this plane of existence. So that's as exciting as... That's exciting. Vinyl just takes a long time and you can't have any weird stuff happen and we've had plenty. But, uh, hey, it is happening. Anyway, look, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for some big changes, but let's not linger on that, okay? I feel like a, I, I, I specialize in a specific kind of behavior, and I'm going to see about that. Till then, let's get back to our rudely interrupted hangout with uh, them Poconacha punks. Yep. It is time for part two of MXPX. We'll save the ads for next time around. Maybe. Maybe not. Enjoy. Our first record, and we were so stressed out, man. You know, Eldorado trying to make it sound Eldorado Studios. Yeah, the first one, yeah. the one on uh, Sunset on or, Sunset, mm -hmm. and that's gone now. I you think. guys, yeah, or, or changed I mean, names or something. Yeah, yeah, the building's still there, and and uh, what's this? You know, Marvin Gaye's my dog wants to be on the show right now. Uh, Marvin Gaye's star is still in there, but uh, you know the. It's long, it's long since changed hands, but you know, when you guys came in there, we were, we were at our wits end. there's a couple parts. We just could not get right. And our drummer, he was so eager to leave and go see his girlfriend that he didn't want to finish a song correctly. 
So we were, I think you guys came in when we were, we were recutting an eight minute long song. So you're talking about Sam? Was it Sam? Yeah. Well, no, Sam hadn't joined yet. Uh, It was still Jeremy. Yeah. That was one of the reasons why Sam joined and we had to cut Jeremy's drums back into time. Eight minutes of like Brian Carlstrom, rest in peace, was was with a razor blade cutting that two-inch tape and trying to get it so that it was in time with the rest. I was amazing. But you guys came in, you're just like, hey, what are you guys so worried about, man? It's just a rock and roll record, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Easy for you to say. Oh. We were still new going into studios. I mean, like, I, I was just thinking about how we we probably acted way cooler than we felt. I'll tell you that. Like we were probably just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and you know, we felt comfortable around you guys because we were friends. Um, Yeah. But I wish we would have, I wish back in the day we would have been more free to like be like, hey, why don't we play on, you know, like let's play on something. Let's get in there, you know, like, cause you see, oh, man, docu- that been great. Yeah, yeah, you see documentaries, you, you know, whatever artists could be Bob Dylan, Aerosmith, uh, Tom Petty or something. They'll, they'll talk about, you know, collaborating with other artists. And it wasn't like a planned thing. It wasn't like the record label ah. made it happen or whatever. It was just, yeah, we we're hanging out with our friends and I just sang on that part or I had an idea. Like, I, I don't think we felt comfortable to like do that, but I wish we did because that would have been fun. Oh, yeah. Dude, one of my all-time favorite collaborations was uh, Sonic Youth on the Goo album, that Cool Thing song. When they recorded that song, it, Chuck D and, and Public Enemy were just, they were at the same studio down the hall. And they just said, hey, do you want to come in here and do this? And he just walked in and knocked that out in like five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's the kind of history that makes great records. You know, that's something I talk about on this show all the time, dude. There's one of the main things that I think is missing from our genre of music or our time period, because we are two completely different genres of music, but our community of musicians, be it Christian music, whatever, tooth and nail, whatever you want to call it, you know, those, that group of people at that time was lacking a, a definite culture that we could call our own, you know, and I, I, for whatever reason, you know, it's too bad. Cause there was a lot of really cool shit that was going on, you know, from, from all the different bands. I mean, dude, you guys realize that right after you left one of those studio trips, um, Jason Martin and Starflyer 59 showed up, you know, uh, uh, Jeff cloud when he was still hanging out with all those different people, man, it should have been, if we weren't all so tight and just like trying to, you know, not to try, you know, if we felt more comfortable to just kind of let loose, who knows what could have happened. Yeah. Really cool. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. You know, now that we're older, now that we're older, we, we get that, but it's too late. We're like, you're in yeah. Lakeland, I'm in Bremerton. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Plus, not, no not forever, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Not forever. Not oh, forever. man. <laughs> I kinda, I've never known where you came from, Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you disappeared. Yeah, of course, you know? of course, yeah. It is kind of funny you tour with people, and, and you kind of have this, you know. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever toured with a band where the people were like just out, out and out, uninterested in even having a conversation with you. You know, so you kind of get, you kind of have these. It's like work friendships, you know. Yeah, you sort sure. of yeah, hey, talk to people, but do you ever really get to know that many of them? Not really. No. You know, I guess it, it's kind of the same way with touring bands, you know, you sure, you work sure. together for a period of time and, and then that's it. Yeah. So yeah, that's a funny question. Where do you, where did you come from? <laughs> where did you come from? This is what I think of for some reason in my brain, I have based off of part of some conversation, I yeah. know you used to love maps. I feel oh, like. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And at some point were you like into forestry or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. 
No, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure I must have given you some reason to have that impression. But I, I don't, I can't remember being into forestry particularly. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I have had from time to time thought, I'd be cool to be like a park ranger or whatever. Okay, you know? yeah, like, sure. yeah, that was one of those jobs I thought I'd, that would suit me. But, but yeah, back in back in those days, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that I think I was I'm, I had to be nineteen twenty when we were touring together. I mean, right. it's crazy. I just I think about it when I'm working with people that are twenty years old, twenty one years old. You know, I'm just like, wow, it's crazy. <laughs> but I think what I was doing when I was your age. <laughs> That's serious. That's serious. But, uh, I don't know how to best answer that question, really. <laughs> I mean, did you grow up with, with Mike and Tom and stuff? Or, no. Well, I, I know Tom wasn't originally in the band, but... Yeah. Uh, I actually have known Tom the longest. Tom and I went to the same elementary school. Okay. Now, we weren't really, like, friends, per se, but, you know, we knew of one another. And then, uh, gosh, when did I meet? I started becoming friends with Tom in like junior high. He actually was the one that pushed me or encouraged me in his in his way to get me to play drums. Okay. You know, it was actually kind of his idea, sort of. Because uh, right. we, we had like a little group of uh, friends, musicians and stuff. Tom played drums in a band, like a metal band, kind of a, you know, Metallica's, you know, Enter Sandman was like the biggest song in the world at that time, 90, okay, sure. 90, 90, 91, whatever this year would be. But so they, they were all like metal heads. I wasn't particularly into metal. Like the cure was my favorite band, but nice. I sort of was on the periphery of this group of people. Okay. And, okay. But in enough that Tom was like, we need more drummers, you know? So like I had shown some interest in sort of playing the drums. So I, I started playing the drums and then Tom and I became better friends. You know, okay. we were in high school band together. So that that's happening, and then I'm also meeting Mike and Andy, who was in the band for the first two and a half years, mm-hmm. and you know, in in parallel. So my friendship with Tom was totally like a natural. You know, no, there was no reason. There was just we just became friends. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, I met Mike. I was invited to a church by a friend of mine, and Mike and Andy went to that church too. And okay. I remember we were doing like Sunday school type of thing, you know. I remember Mike saying him and Andy had started a band, but they were looking for a drummer. They couldn't find a drummer. And I had just started playing the drums like a month before that. You know, just super basic, super basic stuff. Sure. And I and I jokingly said, I play the drums. And and Mike, you know, very serious all, uh, from day one. It was uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. driven, driven, you know, just so, such a driven guy. Um, asked me if I was serious, and I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm new, but yeah. And so we we set up a time to have like a little jam at my, where I, at my house, but, you know. Okay. They came over, brought their stuff over. We set up and played in, in my uh, basement, and... I remember my mom was all excited. She had made like uh, <laughs> chips and dip and stuff, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, total mom. Yeah, yeah, total mom thing. And then, and at this time, I think Mike had been playing maybe a year. Like he, I think he had been playing for about a year, and he started writing songs like pretty much immediately. So yeah. he had when I first met him, he had already already had fifty songs in the oh can. My God. <laughs> He didn't even have a, a band, really. He was starting to sure. get this thing going, but already had 50 songs in the can. I don't wow. think I heard all 50 of those. For our first set or set of songs that we learned, I think it was like 15 or 20 or something like that. But yeah, I mean, sure. he was, he's been very prolific throughout his whole life, and it just started when he was like 14 or 15, you know? Just, yeah, so we started playing, it, and it, it really, from that first practice, it was like, yeah, this works. That was it. It's it, you know, I mean, very slow progression, of course. But I mean, sure. if I look back on it, I think, okay, we started in '92. We were signed to Tooth and Nail by '94, and recording. I mean, that, that's crazy. Two years that's from going from like unreal. just yeah, just learning how to play basically <laughs> yeah. to being signed to a little indie label in two years. 
at the time it didn't feel fast, but it that is like lightning fast, really. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, I don't think I've ever really met anyone as driven as Mike, and it was like right out of the gate. Like this is not just some fun thing we're doing. Like this is serious business, <laughs> you know. Sure. Like and that 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 has been the tone of the band for forever really i mean to yeah. a certain to a certain degree obviously like i was saying before you know it's much more relaxed now and it, it kind of has that we can kind of chill out and, and worry about fun and stuff but i know yeah. that in mike's brain he's always thinking about the next thing that we got to do which is cool <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad he's like that because uh and and i've i've learned to appreciate that over time yeah. because yeah. you know you need that it's like i said dude you know uh, yesterday uh, there's there's a time for work and time for play and that was it was always yeah. a, it was yeah. always clear. I mean I yeah like I said before like I I'm super thankful for that Mike is like that. Now, when I was younger, you know, it was a lot less mature for sure. Uh what? You know, I, I, <laughs> uh, I uh I didn't necessarily appreciate that as much, but now I'm like, you know what? It gave that that drive that he has and that and that kind of constant pushing gave me like a pretty cool life for a long time. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it was, it wasn't, I mean, like anything that you give a hundred percent of your life to, th- there's going to be some wreckage in the wake, but, uh, sure. A- as you get older, as, as time passes, you know, I guess, you know, it brings p- perspective and stuff. So, yeah. 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 You know, when we were out there, we thought you guys were so young, like yeah. oh, 19, 18, we're the old men at 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I mean, we were children. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was Dale Yob in the band for? He was oh. never in MXPX, but so MXPX had a side project called the Cooties. Right, right. Kind of a... Screeching Weasel, The Queers, sort of a take on that kind of sure. punk rock, punk rocky '50s stuff. And he was in that band. Okay, okay. And I, I think he was even in Ninety Pound Wuss for a little while. I think maybe he did. He come out on on the road with us and maybe guitar tech for you guys or something. He did. He did. He worked That's... for us. He worked. Yeah, he toured with us for a tour or two. And yeah, yeah he was funny. I, the thing I remember about him was. He really was like a horrible driver, you know. I mean, because he—I mean, he was young too, right? I mean, sure. You, you don't, you don't like. At that time, it was just your roadies are just your friends that don't have much going on, you know. Right. That you, that you like. So, him, another guy named Giles, did a few of those tours with us, and then JJ, of course, you remember of course. JJ? Yeah. That's my guy. Yeah. Yeah, and JJ was out with us. I think from the second tour until like. A long time. I mean, he was with us for a long time. Yeah. I guess everything seems longer. Like, I think, oh, JJ, he was with us for a decade. But then right. I think, well, no, 95 to 99 is not a decade. But no. it felt, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything seemed longer and more substantial, you know, of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, JJ, man. I, yeah. We were following you guys somewhere on the East Coast. And <laughs> poor guy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the, the street we were looking for in the town we were going to. Yeah. I, I want, for some reason, I want to say it was Ninth Street, but I, I don't know why that number comes into my head. Okay. Anyway, and, and we're on the freeway and we just all of a sudden pull off the freeway and, you know, we all have our, our directions. Right. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no GPS or anything. Right. We have directions, you know, and the directions mm-hmm. do not say, get off at this exit. What yeah. What are we doing? You know? Right. Right. And we get off. We follow you guys for so far. <laughs> and eventually like Baloo is just not having like, Oh, yeah. what are we doing? Where, where are we going? You know, so we pulled over and like, JJ, what, where are you going? Oh, we're on ninth street, man. What do you mean? We're going to ninth street in this town that we're going to. And we're on ninth street now. Yeah, like 10 miles long. (laughs) But, you know, you just, those types of things at the time, you know, I don't know. It's just the little, the little weird bumps in the road that made it more interesting to me. Like, I remember that, but I don't remember anything good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember, oh, that show was amazing. I mostly just remember, you know, 
the goofy crap that happened and and the way it impacted us, you know? It's exactly the same for me. I don't remember the however many shows we played, except for just the snippets of the sure. ones that had some other reason for standing out, you know? <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, how many times did we play at, you know, whatever club a million times? I don't right. remember any of that. No memory of that whatsoever. You know? I mean, dude, there was a place that all of us played in Minnesota, and 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 most people did not had a really weird experience going there without saying anything negative, you know. Yeah. But like, it, it just was an awkward situation because everybody, truthfully, if I'm being uh, fair, everybody, including the promoters, didn't know what the hell was going on, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. To really. Figure it out. Really. Yeah. But I can't for the life of me remember the name of that club because it doesn't matter, you know. I remember the people I yeah. met and, you know. It wasn't the I, new union, was it? Actually, I think it was. My friend Sally Grayson was there and uh, she at, I mean, she came from the from the crucified era playing with okay. mortal and all that stuff. Oh, but wow. like I, I remember that, okay? A yeah. weird conversation with her. She's lived in in uh, Germany for forever uh but that's that's the stuff that i take away from those tours which i think is kind of sweet you know it's, yeah yeah it's comforting it, yeah it is just kind of funny it's like what, what will i remember what will i not remember yeah Something I, I said we would discuss this, and I feel like you know we've, we've kind of smoothed things out a little bit. Um, how are your Seahawks doing, dude? I think they're great, honestly. I mean, you know, you're talking about last time we talked, uh, Seahawks were in a better place. The last time we talked, the Raiders were in a way worse place, and they are they're seriously up right now. That team is exciting to watch. Yeah. They are, dude. It was such a heartbreaker, man. David Carr getting hurt right at the end of the season. It's just like, it's just perfectly horrible. Christmas Eve. It's like the worst, dude. It's like the exact worst thing that could have happened to you guys right then. Oh, yeah. And it's Christmas Eve, man. I mean, I'm like, at my, I'm at my in laws' house. We're trying to, you know, we're supposed to, we have a Christmas Eve party there every year. You know, um, I'm supposed to be in a good mood. And like, I'm in the back watching this game. Ready to throw up. Oh, that's the that's the thing because they were just so bad for so long. You know, they were so bad for so long, and it just like it turned, and all of a sudden it was really happening. It was exciting to see. It was like I'm not a fan of them at all, but I really liked seeing them like the redemption. You know, oh, dude, is it's great. I mean, you know what it's like. I mean, you know exactly what it's like. Oh, yeah, I sat through many, many four and twelve seasons. You know, we had had championships in the in the past. You know. Yeah. You know, where the off season is the only time when you can get excited about your <laughs> draft picks or whatever. Right. All the optimism that brews with the new coaching staff that got hired. Oh, so glad we got rid of that other guy. He's definitely the problem. He wasn't the problem. The team just was terrible. Thankfully, you know, I feel like we're kind of headed in the right direction right now. We got uh we got somebody steering the ship correctly. And we That's might actually have too. uh a new running back here. Yeah, but dude, I mean, as much as I love Marshawn Lynch, it's just he's kind of <laughs> done. He's going to split time with you guys. 
he's going to get 500 yards this year and like oh, yeah. a handful of touchdowns. He's not, he's not the beast mode anymore. You know, he's still, he still is beast mode, but I don't think like, I think he's coming back because he just really wants to play for his hometown team again. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I don't have any problem with him going to do it. I understand it. Yeah. But I don't think yeah. you're getting like, I mean, you know, I think it's prime time. No, no. I mean, dude, well, what, you know how it goes. That's a 30 years old. It's just like they hit a wall, running backs hit a wall. It's very rare that they don't. Right. But I do think it'd be a cool way to end the time in Oakland. I mean, the the guy is so hugely prominent in the city and, you know, in the town. He is Oakland. You know the quote, everything about Oakland is everything about me. I think it'd be great for the for the team. And now, after Derek Carr just <laughs> inexplicably said the weirdest thing ever, uh, I think we're going to need it. So, you know. What do you say? It'll be good. It'll be a nice little way to kind of chill things out. What did Derek Carr say? He, he was talking uh, at, at the OTAs, and um, he was discussing how loyal the fans have been for the last 20 years and the good times and the bad times and all that stuff. And then right at the end, you know, he said, I don't think we're going to split up because we're not like most other teams. And then uh, for I have no I know what happens. You know, you, you don't you don't realize that you're saying what you're saying. And it just came out. And I think the people, you know, who do leave, they weren't really real fans. And <laughs> all the, you know, every football publication on the internet, all they say is uh, p- fans who leave are not real fans, you know. And, of course, right. it's just, it looks bad. That's not what he meant. It just came across really weird. And, and, and the, you know, sports news media being the lazy bastards that they are, oh, especially a week before the draft when there's nothing to talk about. They just piled on him, you know. It's a bummer. But I, I'm sure that, I mean, Raider Nation knows that that dude loves him. So, and, and we love him. So we're, we'll be good. We'll be good. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys have your quarterback right now. So it's... Just uh, can't be having no broken legs again. Yeah, no broken seriously. Legs. What do you see coming up here, man? I mean... I've talked about this with a lot of people and, you know, I'm sort of in a place where I, I think about these types of things more, the older I get, like, you think you're going to, you're still going to be, uh, doing the, uh, the hobby rock in 10 years, you know, what's, what's in the future for you, man? I would say, yeah, in 10 years, it'll still be hobby rocking because it went this long, you know, it's it's just, it's easy now. We just show up, we play. It's mellow. I don't think, uh, I don't think we, it's just too much fun to stop. Think about it, we'd be better off without it. You think I'm so simplistic. I'm on to you and your tricks. Think about it, we'd be better off without it. So, yeah, what's going on with you next? What's going on with you next? Well, I, uh, MXPX, obviously, we got a lot going on with our beer and with our 
the shows, 25 year shows. <laughs> I know our beer, secret I weapon beer. I can't get over it. Man. Get around it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I wish I, w- I wish liquor laws weren't so complex and complicated and strict and stringent and all that. But it, it's tough to get the beer out to places like Texas and um, there's just mm-hmm. some states that don't allow mail order. And even the states that do allow mail order, you have to go through a certain company and, and all that. And we do have a company Tavor.com doing it, but it's unorthodox. It's not like Amazon where you just one click and you're done. You right, got to email right, them right. and they email you back and it's just nuts. But that's the thing is like trying new things like this beer thing is something we hadn't really done before. It's not like a t-shirt, you know? So, right, right. but it's more involved. Yeah, definitely more involved. We got together and um, tasted beers and told them what we wanted. And um, they, they came back and tweaked the recipe a little bit and this and that. And I mean, it was from scratch brewed based on our conversations. Yeah. So it, that was, that's a good legacy for us, for sure. And then MXPX uh, awesome. doing the shows. We got more shows that we haven't announced yet. So we're always announcing more stuff, US and we'll be uh, heading back overseas at some point soon. Um, Goldfinger, I play bass in the band Goldfinger. And mm-hmm. for those that don't know Goldfinger, they had uh, probably one of their biggest songs is called Superman off of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater video game so it was huge back in the day yeah so i do that and a bunch of other hits and we you know we have a new record coming out this summer um so kind of just getting back on the road a little bit more than normal for that playing bass for them so i'll be over over in the uk are you writing with them um not really like john pretty much writes everything for that just kind of how i write everything for mxpx um i did record on some of the songs couple bass lines, a couple, quite a few backup vocal harmony parts. Kind of hard to tell, but there's a lot going on on this record, but it's, it's a good record. Uh, Travis Barker cool. plays drums on it. And, uh, nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So that, that, and that, and then, um, my, you know, the podcast, I do this show all the time that keeps going. That's sort of like a constant, um, family life is good. Yeah, yeah man. How many kids? I got two kids, two kids. Um, they're young. Good for you. So it takes up a lot of my free time right now. <clears throat> but I figure, you know, once they're a little older, they're going to be in school. They're going to be doing sleepovers and having friends and daddy won't be that cool. So I'm trying to give all the time I can right now, which is like hard because, you know, right now, 25 years of <laughs> sure. MXPX, I'm, I'm in the prime of my life, right? So got to just grind it out. It had occurred to me that uh, a pretty significant chunk of time had gone by, and I thought, especially with with my record coming out, uh, the significance of that those first couple tours was definitely uh, attached in my head. I thought, why not go all the way back? And uh, absolutely, I don't know. Talk to the guys from the very beginning, man. The new Stage Decker record. We literally just finished the album. Is nineteen ninety five is the name of it, and it's. It's freaking great, actually. <laughs> awesome. You're stoked on it. That's great to hear. Oh, man. I love it, dude. When's it available? I love it. The guys are really excited. I think, I, I don't know, because we're doing uh, very much like yourself. We're doing everything. I mean, this was crowdfunded, so we have to, you know, we're the ones steering the manufacturing. Lord help us all. And <laughs> uh, the distribution, you know, I, I talked to the, um, I talked to Ryan Clark, a uh, 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 last year before we started doing this because he had just done that knives thing, you know? Um, I I don't know if you're familiar with that. Him and Randy Torres did that knives record and they did everything themselves as well. And the, the actual day to day of making that happen from manufacturing to signing every one of those things and then shipping them out to people, that's going to prove to be very challenging. So I'm going to, conservatively say by the summer, people will have discs in their hands. Thankfully we can get them digital stuff before that. Yeah. Great. And where can they go to, uh, I mean the, the crowdfunding is done already. Crowdfunding is done. Uh, this, this, the album will be available on the stage website, which currently is just a static shot of us. There's nothing else going on there. Uh, the Facebook page is where all the information's coming through. 
Cool. But yeah, it'll be available. Excellent. Dude, man. Nice. I remember sharing the, uh, the crowdfunding gonna, thing for you guys. What's that? Oh, re- you did? Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, no worries. That's, where, that's who those people were. <laughs> well, oh, people, man, people, cool. people, but from back in the day, I mean, we'd still get, we get people that haven't seen a show in years and years and come to finally come back to a show. And they're like, yeah, I saw you with Stave Saker here. I saw you with Sleek Shoes. I saw, you know, whatever. It's like, it's, sure. you guys are definitely part of, of our history and people remember that, you know, and, and especially back in the day, I don't know. If, I'm sure it's the same still, but back in the day you went to a show and a lot of times you were seeing one band you knew and everybody else was brand new right. to you. So you would right. pick up fans much quicker back, you know, back then yes. people were still discovering music and there wasn't a Spotify and there wasn't really any database to go through that was for, for underground type music. Uh, people were hungry. You know, I think they were, they were looking for, there was a definite demand you know, I would say no, no level of saturation had been reached. I don't know that I necessarily believe in oversaturation, but I think things just go in cycles, man, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, that was then, you know, who knows what's going to come next, but you know, just keep working. I'm stoked to see, <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked to see you working so hard and, you know, and, and, and even, you know, the fact that you guys were able to get together, I mean, talking to Yuri and, and Tom both, it's clear how important the band is to them, you know? And I think it's great that you guys are able to still continuously go out. I mean, it would be huge for Stavesacre to be able to go and do a weekend a month. I, it would be impossible. Yeah. So it's- yeah, I think, you know, the best part about, you know, 25 years of MXPX is the fact that I'm having a great time with Tom and Yuri. Um, every time we go out and do shows, there's smiles, people are happy. There's jokes being told like inside, you know, old inside jokes come back really, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's better than really it ever has been. Um, okay. and, and it's just, and, and I think maybe because we know we only have a finite amount of time to do, to live, you know what I mean? It's like, sure. you just got to sure. make the most of it. So, um, when we're together, we, re, we make the most of it. Yeah. And you've grown and, uh, there's no way you're, you, you can spend this much time around somebody still maintain, you know, by your own, uh, of your own volition, still maintain contact with people and not grow up and, and be good to each other. You know, it's cool. Yeah. It's been good. Now you're, now you're, 
you know, you're the weekend warrior kind yep. of deal. Although I think yep. it's a little bit more than that. It's not like you're dressing up in fatigues and going out. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, what's, what's the, what's the future look like for you, man? Do you, do you have, do you have plans? What do you, what do you got going on? Well, I mean, right now and for the last couple of years, you know, like I said, since 2015, I've been doing this. I don't really see an end in sight. For, I think things are going to progress the way they have for the last few years. Sure. For as far as, as for as long as I could tell, you know, for, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, I know that, you know, the, the shows have been fantastic and everyone's kind of, I think, you know, even even I feel like, man, it'd be kind of cool to do this more again, but I can't. You know, I'm really locked sure. in, you know. I mean, I have a custody agreement and the whole thing, you know, <laughs> that I have to abide by. And I have a job, you know, full-time job, and I, I get good benefits as far as, like, vacation and all that. But, you know, it's like money in the bank. If you spend all your money, you don't have any more money left. So right. it's it, and, and I've got to watch that, you know, how many days I take off for this kind of stuff. And, um so yeah, right. It works. I mean, I you know, and and Mike and Tom. I mean, Tom's in a similar situation. Uh, well, he's got a lot more freedom than I do. He's not in a similar situation, but uh, other than he has a job, but he's got <laughs> tons of leave on the books. He doesn't have kids that he has to be worried about. I mean, he's yeah. really. But the guys have. I don't know. I think this situation works for them too. You know, they're kind of sure. locked into my schedule. Like, yeah, and 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 it works. I think you know scarcity is good. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and we just we do these little weekends where we we try to hit like a you know Chicago Cleveland or <laughs> right, you know right. San Diego LA. You know, just try to cover as much ground as we can in two days, basically. Sure, you know, sure. Um, and it's been great. So, but yeah, really, I don't have any plans. I feel like, you know, I feel like I don't have any time. I mean, I feel like I've think my life is really full. You know, I mean, I've even yeah. tried dating a couple times. And usually when the question, do you really have enough time to do this comes up, you know, it's over. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hard up against the reality of that I, I have two jobs, really. You know, yeah, I have yeah. a shipyard and the band, and I'm a, and I'm a dad. And uh, trip, yeah, man. so um, it's good. I mean, getting divorced sucks, and it was really difficult. Uh, it was not something I wanted, but uh, very sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, but you got to roll with the punches. And yeah. three years, th- yeah, I think I've, I'm in a much better place than I was, you know, two, three years ago. I mean, it, it, you know, in in the thick of it, and just. You have no idea what's going on, but slowly your life, like any loss, you know, slowly you pick the pieces back up and, and you realize, oh, I, yeah, I can do this and I can, I'll just adjust here, adjust there and it'll look different, but it won't necessarily be worse. So, so I, yeah, I really don't have any grand plans, just kind of survive, uh, you know, being a parent is always on the forefront of my mind and how to be a better parent because I'll tell you what, I thought, you know, because I'm kind of like a mellow guy and all that, I really thought that uh, that those traits were going to really be, like, make me just like a effortless, awesome dad. <laughs> Not the case at all. <laughs> um, you know, all of the other things where, like, loud noises bother me, you know, like have, having to listen to people fighting constantly is really irritating. All that stuff comes into play a lot more than how mellow, <laughs> how night or how mellow I am to adults, <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure, sure. So being a parent, just, it hit me over the head, like a, you know, a ton of bricks. And, uh, I love it. Uh, I love my children, you know, uh, yeah. it's, yeah, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. And I don't know if it's like a social taboo to like admit that having children is like the hardest thing you ever will do. But mm. I felt like all my guy friends, I don't didn't have many, but 
the couple guy friends I had that I felt like I could talk to about this, you know, I'd always ask them, so what's it like being a dad and all this? And, you know, and they'd always, it's almost like a canned answer. It's the best thing that ever happened to me, you know? <laughs> right. And right. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. You know? And, and then, you know, my ex-wife and I, we tried for a couple of years and finally, you know, she got pregnant and it was super exciting. And I was like, a week after my oldest daughter was born, I was like, I, th- I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is absolutely insane. <laughs> you know, of course, you're in the midst of no sleep and yeah, 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 the pressures are high or whatever. But then, you know, fast forward almost 10 years and it is so cool to see your children turn into like little people, you know, like yeah. really like their world every year, you know, every year older that they get their world just sort of opens up more you know and and yeah. it's it's just kind of cool to see so it is rewarding but it i don't know it's it's like it's like anything else i guess you know it's, it's just work you know you gotta okay what am i gonna do today to be better than i was <laughs> yesterday you know uh, yeah. So, so yeah so i mean that that's obviously a big big part of my life and yeah but other than that i i don't know i just I think what else I do. I, well, I just, I, I, the reason why I ask is, yeah. you know, when I first started doing this show, I did it because, you know, here I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid, like my late forties now, you know, right. I'm 47. Yeah. Uh, and there was a time in my life, not that long ago when I couldn't fathom ever being this old right. uh, yeah. or, uh, or being towards, you know, being post music. Like I, you know, yeah, Dave Zicker, a new record coming out. Sure. Um, and I may do, you know, another Neon Horse record or a White Lighters. But I, it's it's not my life by any right. stretch. It's very similar to you. Yeah. You know, and it's it really kind of came home once we moved to Florida. And, you know, everything that was familiar was so far away from me. And right. it's like, how the hell did I end up here? You know, but I also like I think about it a lot of times. It's not just about the geography of it; it's it's everything. You know, I really seriously in my twenties, man. If you'd have told me there would be a time when I was uh, when I was almost fifty years old, I wouldn't have any kids, and I would be pretty much done with music. I would be like, <laughs> that sounds like I died or something. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, but the yeah. the point being that like. Life continues on and, you know, for most people, and I mean, even people who can find some success in music, the day comes when, when you have to do something else. And, you know, it's just always kind of a fascinating thing for me to think about and, uh, and to discuss with other people who've experienced it. Cause I, I, I legitimately am curious how you feel, you know, how Mm -hmm. you, how you're doing. I think, I think. Part of the reason where I don't feel like I have a compelling answer to that question is, is it's been it's been almost eight years since sure. I yeah. since I came off the road in quotations. It was it was not easy. I mean, so what happened was my wife and I had a young daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think she was like one or two, um, and my wife had gone to school to become a nurse. Okay. So she was going to school. Well, she got a job. And so um, my mother retired from being a nurse to be oh. our nanny, essentially. Not really, a, not like a live-in nanny or anything, but she she watched our daughter whenever I was gone and my ex-wife was at work, you okay. know? So it was intense. I mean, it was like, a, you know, five days a week type thing when I'm on tour and, and really yeah. intense. So... My mom made this, what seemed like a big deal, you know, she's going to be a grandma. I mean, you know, my daughter was young, so it was the first time she was a grandma, so she's kind of settling into that role. Well, after about six months of that, I think she was like, okay, wow, I need a break, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I totally get. So I was flying to Mexico City. We were playing a show down there, and then we were going to start like a a two-and-a-half-month tour with Lagwagon. And I was at the airport. And my wife called me and said, your mom's quitting. Uh, so we don't have anyone to watch the kids. In in retrospect, it's funny that we didn't even think, oh, well, maybe let's do like a daycare situation. <laughs> but no, me quitting the band was the obvious choice at that moment in time. Okay. Um, 
So also at that time, uh, the band started making no money. And so I guess that's kind of why we didn't choose the daycare route because we went from making like a pretty good living, like, you know, uh, to making like 500 bucks a month or something. I mean, it was within the span of like two or three months. So that's when, you know, I had to make a decision what to do. So I had, I sat on that for, I think about a month. So like about halfway through the tour, I, after sound check, I was like, Hey guys, like, can we have a meeting in the back lounge of the bus, you know? And <laughs> instantly the, you know, the red flags went up for everybody. Cause like, I never say that, you know? <laughs> right, right. And so I sat down with our tour manager and who was like kind of our manager at the time. And then Mike and Tom, and I told them the news, you know, I said, Hey, after this tour, like I, I, I can't tour anymore, you know? And that, that for a guy that had been touring for the 14 years prior, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all, it, it is kind of crazy. You know, yeah. I mean, as time marches on, the it seems less and less crazy. But really, at the time, it was like the biggest deal ever. I mean, I couldn't sleep for weeks, you know, oh, coming, coming up to this decision because I was just, my God, this is crazy. It's like, so anyways, told the guys, Tom was really surprised. I mean, the meeting finished and and Mike was actually surprisingly supportive and, and, and saying like, well, we'll figure out whatever we need to do. We'll figure it out, you know, and which was not, not the response I expected from him. But, and then Tom was like, dude, what's up? Are you crazy? You know? (laughs) So anyways, but then it was funny because like a month or two later, he called a meeting and said, Oh, by the way, I got hired at the shipyard. So I'm not touring anymore either. (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah, just everything totally changed. And my my, uh, intention was not to quit entirely. I just couldn't tour. But my wife, I was still married, was totally fed up with the band, like completely fed up with it. She had been, you know, we had been married at seven, eight years or whatever at that time. And I was gone all the time. And just the band, you know, it's sort of like, you know, every drop of a hat, you got to go do this. And right. she's like, well, we had plans for today. And I'm like, well, sorry that we have a photo shoot for a Christmas record we're doing, you know. And <laughs> right. it just, it just, you know, we've been divorced and separated almost four years. And it just still drives her crazy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, for her, it's just like, it's never ending, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, because she still has to, you know, kind of accommodate me when things come up, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, it was a huge period of transition. I wasn't sure what I was going to do for a while. And then, like I said before, I, I, I met someone that gave me a good report about the shipyard. So I got in the shipyard and, but to be honest, like I was pretty burnt out on playing music, like the joy of it. I mean, I always love playing the drums that, that never changed, but like, being in MXPX and the touring and, and it just started getting harder and harder and harder because we just, you know, what goes up must come down, you know, yeah, and we, sure. you know, you don't want it to, you know, and we had to work harder and harder to get on tours and we we're making less and less. And it's just, it was getting tough. And I, I was really burnt out. So I was totally fine with a break, but at the same time, even, well, actually in the last couple of years, I've kind of had I've, I've fed the fed into my desire to be a musician and play and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But for a long time, I didn't like, you know, I, I, I sort of got to a point where I didn't want to fight with my wife every time a show came up, you know, and, <laughs> and I just said, well, you know, I told the guys I quit, you know, I got to quit. Like I said, I quit like three times in two years or something, but I still, for a while I, I had a hard time, with the fact that that wasn't really a part of my identity anymore. Mm. You know, like me being an MXPX really isn't, wasn't a thing for a, a while. It's kind of sort of coming back to being a thing, okay. which, is, which is cool. Cause I, I can kind of, you know, I get enough of it to where it's still, I still feel like I'm the person I've always been Sure. in the, in the sense of, you know, I'm a musician I play drums. I'm an MXPX. That part of my identity gets stroked a little bit. And I don't mean to say ego necessarily, because 
that's not that's not really it. It's just sort of like I mean, from the time I was fifteen, I was doing this. You know, it's something that's part of you. You know, yes, yeah. It's like you can only not use your left hand for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I definitely there. I I wouldn't call it depression, but I would definitely say it was a emotional transition to kind of go go away from that. I mean, when I sure. and then when I quit like for good or whatever, which, you know, lasted three years <laughs> for in 2012. Like I really, really never, ever thought I'd ever do this again. Never. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I was still married and, and stuff, but so I, you know, I thought that this was, this was a choice that I was going to have to make forever. And, uh, and I felt like I was doing the right thing for my marriage, but you know, it, it was still difficult. still very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, just, I feel like I'm uh, my old self to a certain degree, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, dude, there's, it's okay to love doing what you do. (laughs) Yeah, oh, for sure. I know, I know. But it it just, it it came at such a high price for, you know, for my family life that, but I don't know. I mean, how much of that is, is symptomatic? You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm no psychologist, but (laughs) you know, there's, it's just funny. It's, it's, it's like you said earlier, you know, things were so much simpler, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's weird how life, you know, and then when you're young, if you have some ability to be perceptive, you can be like, yeah, man, I, I actually don't want to be uh, old because it seems way more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. You can't help it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I wish I would have had that sense of like being able to see that moment for what it was. And I, I, I totally didn't. <laughs> I don't know if anybody can, though. You know, yeah, you yeah. know, life comes at you and then there, there it is. Yeah. When you're doing that stuff, I don't think there's any way to really prepare, you know, for the for the 10 years later when, you know, your wife is wiped out because you have to leave, you know, or when yeah. your kids miss you because you're not there or whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I had a moment with my oldest daughter. I think she must have been somewhere between one and two. She was walking and I had just, I was coming home from a tour. And as soon as I walked in the door, she kind of looked at me and then immediately turned around and ran the other way because I was a total stranger. Oh, man. You know? And and I had <laughs> always... I remember this kind of goofily... Th- even before we toured or, you know, I knew touring was going to be a thing. I always said, when I have kids, I'm not going to tour. I don't know when I'm going to have kids or whatever, but eventually if that happens, like, that's when I'm going to cut it off, you know? Yeah. But then you get to that point in your life and you're like, but touring is how I make money to... Yeah feed my family and all that. So you <laughs> yeah. get, but it, yeah, you have those real high ideals and then reality sets in, but that was a brutal moment for sure. But, oh uh, yeah. yeah, it's like out of a movie. Oh my right? God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Like, uh. But, uh, wow. but yeah, so, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like I'm in a good place where I get that balance, where I get enough of that. And then I have my job, yeah. which is, which is, a non-real world in its own right. Sure. You know, so it's like being in a band is not like being in the real world, really. <laughs> right, and then, right. And then neither is working where I work. It's like a totally, it's its own entity. <laughs> Look at those, that that moment. The, you know, I talk about it a lot. It's that there's, you know, for, for some people, the band is the only way you exist, you know? Like, right. Right. Like Yuri the drummer ceases to exist when there is no MXPX or whatever, you know? Right. I think that's just the nature of people. Um, yes. And, and honestly, like if I'm if I'm honest, when I think about bands that I grew up listening to, I have no idea where so and so is from this or that band anymore. They just vanished, you know. Right, right. But they're still out there somewhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They're doing something. I, I have this conversation with a guy I work with. Uh, There's just me and one other guy that kind of work closely together. He's older. He's in his 60s. A music guy lo- loves me. You know, that's the yeah. funny thing about the shipyard. There's lots of musicians. Um, mm-hmm. But 
So we'll talk about that. I wonder what that person's doing, you know. So I'll Wikipedia, you know, pull up Wikipedia and Sure. And yeah, it most people they they ride the wave and then they do something else that yeah. doesn't bring them any you know, they're basically in a, in obscurity, but But see, here's the weird part, man, is that I never thought that that would be very fun. Mm. Like, mm. If I'm just yeah. being totally honest, I could not imagine, you know, I, I, the excitement and the potential and honestly, the battle, the trying to figure out how to be successful in music or whatever, all that stuff was yeah. always kind of appealing to me. I never allowed for the possibility that, uh, you know, a gig, a regular, just a job later would actually be kind of cool and I would enjoy right. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I was... Uh, someone had posted like an article on their wall on Facebook, and it was like five things I wish I never would have told my children. One of them is like that you'll only be happy if you find this career that you find so you know that you you follow your passion or whatever. Yeah. But it's like no, there's tons of people that are just working a job that are perfectly happy. You yeah. know, <laughs> they're not all walking around like, oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, you meet plenty of people that like have their dream job or whatever, but sure. you know, it, it's going to hit reality one way or the other. I like, mean, as much I as I'm embarrassed, dude, I'm 47. I think like, dude, you're such an arrogant dick. You don't <laughs> allow for other people who didn't pursue the thing to just really enjoy their lives. Like turns out they're fine, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jeez. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And there's a certain... There's a different joy to just to doing something like this, I guess. Sure. Ah, yes. MXPX. Hope you enjoyed that. Wait a minute. What's this? I was trying to remember when we were talking about uh, Aaron Bradford and Soldier, oh, yeah. Of, yeah. Soldier of Love. <laughs> um, I was trying to remember which band he was in, um, and it was The Blamed. He was in The Blamed on the first go-around. Really? I, yeah, like huh. way, way back in the wow. very early Tooth and Nail days. Huh, crazy, crazy. He was such a funny dude. I remember, you know, we'd stayed with you guys and, yeah, yeah. and he was out there with this piano and he, he just had the whole <laughs> act down where he would like kind of like look into your eyes and stuff. It was so funny. <laughs> you know, so he, was, funny. he was such a trippy guy. We worked together at the hotel when he and I both we're living together. We both were working at the Waterfront Hilton in okay. Huntington Beach. And dude, I mean... He's got this weird personality where he just sort of like he adopts he, uh, some element of whomever he's hanging around with. He just huh. sort of adopts it and it makes it his own thing. And for the <laughs> longest time, dude, we would be at the Hilton and he's like, Solomon, <laughs> do you think I look, uh, do I look like my Mexican brothers? And like, <laughs> what? And he was. He went out of his way to dress like the like the Latin American dudes that worked in the in the kitchen. Like he would look at the way, like the older men, not like yeah, the yeah, kids, yeah, 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 like yeah. the older men when they would leave. Like, okay, those are the shirts they wear. Yeah, he got us like this. this uh, what the hell? It's, I always think of like Cuban cigars when I see these. 
yeah. like the white shirt, you know, with their button down shirts with the little embroidery on the front and the yeah. two little useless pockets. Uh, yeah. Dude, he had <laughs> and he it's had sort of like, like <laughs> has like some like pleading down in yeah. like two sort of yes. lines. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I think oh, he was. I think he was wearing that. That's what I seem to remember him wearing was like a, like yeah. a, off white cream colored shirt like that. You know, totally, just totally. <laughs> He's such a trippy guy, man. <laughs> I am a soldier <laughs> of love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been wounded in battle. I gotta get him on this show. I don't know yeah. if he'll ever do it, but. <laughs> Was uh, I'd ask you a question and, and I'd be like, dude, did I piss him off? <laughs> Sorry, couldn't let that one go unheard. Aaron Bradford, if you're out there, you are missed. Well, I hope you enjoyed the final portion of my chat with the kids uh, who've been in a band for one quarter of a century, so therefore no longer kids at all. Uh, To those randos out there who, for some reason, still hate on MXPX for whatever goofy reason you would do that, hate all you want, there's no denying that's impressive. 25 years. They've likely been playing sold-out shows longer than you've been at your job. (laughs) Just saying, man. So what we're here today? Well, Aces Up from 2012's Plans Within Plans. That's been our faithful bumper music for both episodes. But we also heard First Day of the Rest of Our Lives from their latest release, Left Coast Live. I uh, kind of wish I'd been at that show. Billy was probably there because, you know, he gets, he gets to do all the cool stuff. Anyway, continue on. Uh, from what I feel is kind of a marker in the history of my life and... Uh, probably many of yours as well, the excellent album, Life in General. Your Problem, My Emergency, a song I feel like I sing in my head at least once a week. (laughs) You can imagine in what scenario that would be. And of course, Chick Magnet, a song I still assign to my guy Yuri pretty much every time I hear it because uh, I have a music video to prove it. So, okay. Look, uh, I have some work to do here, folks. Let's see what we see. Till next time, thank you for your Patreon support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for waiting a gazillion years. And thank you for not coming to my house and uh, banging on the door screaming, where's my show? (laughs) Happy New Year. Be good. Rainbow out.